Well, I want to speak to you this morning as we go in to this brand new year. This is going to uh, be a message that I believe is going to hopefully lay out some vision. I believe it's going to be a message that's going to inspire and encourage you. And I'm going to carry it over the next few weeks. Number of weeks ago, I was uh, having coffee with a pastor friend of mine, uh, a dear friend. And as pastors do when we get together, uh, we talk church and we talk about the kingdom. We talk about the things that we believe uh, that the Lord is doing. And he began to reflect to me about a church uh, that I knew of uh, in Louisiana uh, from many, many years back and uh, a great pastor leading that church. And uh, as he was talking to me about that pastor and about that church, how it impacted the community and it impacted people's lives and it impacted the world. Now, if I probably uh, would speak the name of who I'm talking about, most of some of the older ones especially would know who they are. And, but I can't think of the name of the church, but that doesn't matter. But this is how that church got to be known in that community, in that region. Oh, that church. Everything began to happen out of that church. And when he spoke that, all of a sudden something thundered in me because that's really the how I pray when I'm praying over this church and how we're to move and, and, and be throughout our lives and throughout the city and the community, the region that we're in. I pray this all the time. God, I don't care if they know who I am, but may they know who you are. I don't care if they know the name of this church, although I believe it's important, but I want them to know this. Oh, that's where God is. That's where you can go and find the presence of God. That's where you can go and, and find things happening in the kingdom where needs of people and community are being met. I believe that's what our call to is. I'm not going to come up this year. I don't think I'd do this. I don't try to play those games where 2024 is the year you get off the floor. We're, we're not going to play those fool games. Uh, matter of fact, I, I, that, I shouldn't said it like that. Just some guys do that and it, it's okay. So God, forgive me. Forgive me. Y'all forgive me too. All right. I shouldn't have said it like that. But a lot of times this is what happens when we go from year to year. Okay, God stopped what he was doing last year, and we're in a new year, and we start all over again. And that's really not true. Matter of fact, most of us, believe it or not, we live that way, that God is a stop-and-go God. Matter of fact, if I don't feel him, God's not moving. If he is moving, boy, God's really moving. And that's how we live our lives. But I've come to believe this with all my heart. He said this in the book of Philippians chapter one. He that began a good work in you will perform it. So in other words, he's not constantly stopping and going. He's always moving. Now we may move into greater times of understanding. We may move into greater times of revelation. We may move into greater times of manifestation. But nonetheless, what he's doing now, he's always been doing. And I'm confident that what he's going to do tomorrow, he's already, he's already been working on for a long time. Uh, a few, about a year ago, I preached a message. I don't know if you remember where I strung this rope across all the way across the auditorium. And here's how most of us are. God is on the starting line. All right, get ready, set, go. And we put God on the starting line every week. 
or every year, every month, or whatever my life is, I'm going to put him on the starting line. Instead, I believe this. God is on the finish line. He said, hey. And you know when he got on the finish line? On the seventh day of creation when he said it's done. Hello, and he's been on the finish line all that time encouraging the church to come this way. Why? Because we are always a people that are driven by emotion. We're driven by feeling. We're driven by things that we see or don't see. And a lot of times we're missing out on what God is really after us to do. So God is always trying to keep us in check and keep us online. So God began to speak to me, and I'm going to minister a, a, a series over the next few weeks. I, I didn't think I was ever a series preacher, but I've become one. And I've really never intended for it to happen, but most time when I preach, they wind up being series. I just never plan them out real far, and I'm not really planned out that far, believe it or not. But when the Lord began to speak, he began to just share some things in my heart that I want to impart to you. Now, remember what I said, Jesus, our God is on the finish line. And what we have to do is when he left this earth, after Jesus came, died on the cross, rose to, to go to heaven, he left instruction for his church that has never changed. Never changed. Same words. Matter of fact, it's like this. Last words are very important if you pay attention to them. Now, I'm one like this if uh, my wife's got our grandson. I thought mother, new grandbaby, was going to be here this morning. Sadie, are they back here? Oh, there she is. If you'll look around, I'll walk her up here. I got to show her off a minute. I get the privilege of showing her off. I didn't see them come in. This is Miss Sadie Lee. She's what, what, seven, eight weeks old? Something like that. Hold her up there, Bailey, for everybody to look at her. Give Miss Sadie a big hand, her first time in church with us. Papa's sweet girl, bless her. I, know, I think Kim and Jenny may be back there. I don't know. There they are. They're yours too, okay? <laughs> I'll share them. <laughs> but I'm glad they're there. But last words, if, if, if Chad and Alexis or Jared and Bailey or even uh, whatever their name is over there, Jordan and Stace, uh, we're leaving their kids with us. Sometimes there's last words or there's last instructions. You know, like, for example, uh, Chad and uh, uh, Alexis have got Maverick on, on a real strict, uh, you know, schedule about his sleep patterns. They've had that ever since he was born. I thought, my son, you kept me awake all from the moment you were born until you were a t And now your kid's sleeping through the night? What is up with this? But sometime they'll give us the last instruction of something to do. Even as a pastor, when I know the house is in good hands and I know there's great people and I've got confidence in everybody in this room, there'll be times I'll, I'll remember, hey, don't forget this, don't forget that, because last words or last instructions are important. So I'm going to walk you through the Gospels at the last words of Jesus for a moment. So I want you to go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 28. If we're going to be that church that's going to really impact our community 
and really make a difference in people's life, it has to start. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. It has to start at the very basics of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what we do, if we're going to change our world, it starts with the gospel. It starts with the revelation of Jesus. Matter of fact, that's our main purpose of anything and everything that we do. I don't care where we're at, where we're going. If Jesus isn't being revealed, then we're missing something. Everything is about Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter 28 and uh, the uh, 16th verse. Then the 11 disciples went away to Galilee to a mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when he saw them... They worshiped him and some doubted. But listen to what Jesus said. And Jesus came and spoke to them. All authority in heaven and in earth is given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you and lo, I am with you. Everybody needs to mark this in your Bible just in case you forget. And lo, I am with you always. What does always mean? So that's when you don't feel it and when you do feel it. So he said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, here's something very important I believe that you need to grab hold of. When Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Now, wait a minute. What heaven is he talking about? There's three heavens, actually, that the Bible will declare. There's this realm here. Let me start up there. There's the realm that we call where the throne room of God is that we will find in the book of Revelation. And then below that is this second realm. It's the place where the spirit world, I guess we could possibly say it like that, where you would hear these words, that the, that the enemy is the prince and the power of the air. And then there's this part here that you and I can walk out and we can see the incredible sky and everything around us. So when God says, or when Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Wait a minute, he already had the first heaven. So what authority has been given to him? He's got rule over the second heaven. Well, pastor, if he's got rule over the second heaven, why is the enemy still working? I'm glad you asked. He's been given that. He said, I've, been, I've got the authority over it, but now I'm going to wait for my church to unseat it. That's why he said, behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So you and I need to understand something that Jesus has the power to unseat every trouble, every difficulty that's out there, but he's waiting upon the church because he has chosen to use this church, this multi-membered body of Christ to go into action and to unseat the principalities and powers of darkness. Pastor, how you know that? Well, let's go back. I'm glad you asked. Let's go back to Old Testament. When God told his people to go into the promised land, he said, I'm taking you into a land that's inhabited with great giants. It's got great armies and all this. He said, they've been taking care of it for you. They've been holding it, waiting for you to tell them to get off what belongs to you. 
seems to be the principle that continues to carry on. I could tell y'all really were excited about that. Uh, but you need to grab it. But what did Jesus say do? He said, go therefore and make disciples. What is a disciple? A follower of God, not religious people. He said, make followers of God. How did Jesus make disciples? He said, just come do life with me. He said, just come do life with me. That's the importance of life group. Not just teaching him, teaching, but it's walking out with people, helping them understand the things of Jesus, communicating, walking, showing, demonstrating things together. Let's go to the book of Mark. See, the first three gospels are considered or called the synoptic gospels. They, they kind of all share the very same thing, but all of the gospels have a, have a complete closing. All of them. Except we'll go in a few moments to the book of Acts. But they'll all have a complete closing like this it is. So in the book of Mark, chapter 16, everybody knows this passage real well. Let's go to verse 14. We'll start there. Later he appeared to the eleven. Now listen, I'm not just preaching something to the seniors in this room. I'm preaching to the young people because our, our assignment is the very same thing. Every one of us are to be revealers of Jesus and of his love, of his grace and of his nature. He said, later he appeared to the 11. As they sat at the table, he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. That's none of us in this room. Because they did not believe on those who had seen him after he risen. Look at verse, look at verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I believe what Jesus is saying here in my church is the power to literally change the world. It's lying in the church. But the church has gotten itself hidden behind the four walls. Or we've got hidden in our own little messages. And instead of really fulfilling the purpose and the call of God, we're sitting around hoping that some system in the earth that is ungodly will rise up and be the answer for the world. That's why, listen guys, I, I know we gotta be participants in, in our life and in our world and we need to and we've gotta take righteous, bold stands. But if you think for a moment that a political party of any sorts or an individual is going to change the world, it will not happen. The only one that will do that and can do that is Jesus and he's given us the authority to go into the world and demonstrate and declare the power of God. So he said, go in the world and preach the gospel. Preach the good news. Go give hope. Go into your world. Well, pastor, I don't feel called to Africa. He's not asking you to go to Africa if you don't feel called to it. Basically, if you look into the original writings, it would say it's like this. Go into your world and preach this gospel. My world is different than your world. You've got a world. Some of you've got a, you've got a family world. Some of you have a community world. Some have a, have a regional world. Some even have a, a national world or even a, a, a global world. But wherever you go, present the gospel. 
I don't know if you've ever heard of this young man, Hispanic pastor from California. His name is Dr. Samuel Rodriguez. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Man, a powerful uh, man of God. I, I didn't realize he'd done so much of the things that he did. Uh, but he said it last, I, I was listening to him in a, in a church yesterday that he was just in a meeting in the Netherlands, in the Netherlands with uh, many, with several thousand uh, mega leaders from all over the world in every sphere of ministry and they've all set the go that by the year 2033 the whole world the whole globe will have a chance to hear the gospel of Jesus now they're not saying that everybody's going to be saved but they are determined by every means possible to get the message of Jesus to the whole world he said, go into all the world. Now listen to the rest of that verse. He said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but those who do not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those that believe. Do I have any believers in here? Do I have any believers in here? Because he's talking to you. See, we put it in the hands of whoever steps on this platform or any other platform. They're the guys that carry the anointing and we all rush like flies to go be in their meetings. I'm not saying that's wrong, but if there's not an importation to come back, we're missing something. Because he said, this is the mark of the believers that are going into their world and they're presenting the gospel. These signs will follow. In my name, you will drive out demons. In my name, you will speak with new tongues. In my name, you will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will will recover. Wait a minute, who's doing that? The believer. Oh, but wait a minute, we're a bunch of believers, but it's not just any believer. It's the believer that's not ashamed to take this gospel and tell what Jesus did. The signs didn't come until the gospel was preached. I was watching Mario Morello the other day. And many of you I know have watched him and are following him as he takes the great tent into the cities. He himself in one sense has backed off of just, you know, going after all the political thing, but he's just simply ministering the gospel. And, and the reality is as he ministers the gospel, miracles take place. If you go back into the history and look at the revivalists of old, that's what most of them would preach today of A.A. A. Allen. I've watched some of the old videos and read his books. I know some of you younger ones don't even know who I'm talking about. But this, this old gentleman, he would have, pack out tents, him and R.W. Schambach, and they would go and they would preach a simple gospel. That it is the will and the power of God for you to be well, for you to be whole, for you to live for Jesus, for you to make heaven. And they would line up people and they would bring wheelchairs and they would bring cots and they would bring people that were literally demon possessed out of their mind. And one by one by one, people, miracles were happening all the time. I don't think God quit. I think we, the church, lost our track. 
And I believe that all of us, the believers, are the one to lay hands on the sick. See, even, even the church that's up, well, Pastor, this is what we hired you for. Well, you didn't hire me. This is what we have a pastor for, to do all the sick visitation, to run to the hospitals, to, to go get the, you know, those oppressed, to go and meet the needs on the street. No, our job as ministers, if we're doing it right, is to equip you and empower you and say, hey, go do the work of the ministry. Uh, but pastor, I really don't feel anointed. That's why I'm telling you, we live in a real world. I got to get beyond. I'll never get done today. I'll have to preach this like six weeks if I don't. But he who believes in my name, look at verse 20. I will. I don't think I put that on my notes. And they went out and they preached and the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Wait a minute. It didn't say they went out with Jesus. It just said they went out and Jesus went with them. And they preached the word and God confirmed the word. All right, let's go to the book of Luke 24. Luke 24, verse 49. Or, or let's start at verse, uh, oh my goodness. Let's start at verse 44. Then he said to them, these are the words which I have spoke to you while, while I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So he opened up their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said, thus it is written and thus it is necessary for Christ to suffer and rise the third day. Why? He's doing a work in us. He's bringing hope and life to the earth. And that repentance and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem, or should I say at your family. Now, I want to give you a, a fresh definition of repentance that I recently heard. Come from a rabbi. See, we think of repentance as we fall down and we, we tell how, God how bad we are. He already knows how bad you are. You don't have to tell him how bad you are. He knows. But he came and he saved us. That's why he suffered at the cross to take your sin and iniquity. So here's why we preach repentance. This is why he said, go preach and encourage people to repent. Here's the definition, to embrace the new. To embrace the new. Because repentance is basically having a changed mind. I don't have to live that way any longer. I don't have to live in my sin. I don't have to have sin have dominion over me. It's time now to embrace the new. And that remission of sin. What is remission? It's declaring that Jesus has taken the moment you yield to him. Say, Father, I can't deal with this. I can't handle it any longer. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against everybody. Lord, I give it to you. He takes your sin from you. And removes you from any sign of that sin. That's why he said in 3 John, he said, if any man sin, let him, uh, let him ask of, uh, how does it say it? If we sin, there it is. If we sin, if we will confess our sin, listen to what he said. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all sin or to remove that from us as though I had never, ever sinned. 
So we've got to preach it. How can they know? You don't have to live that way. God's got a better life for you. God's got a better way for you. All you have to do is come to Jesus, embrace his life. Oh, pastor, it's too, it's too easy to do it that way. I was with a group of pastors the other day. said, we just need to be preaching harder. Really? Matter of fact, I think we love it when we preach that way. I get more compliments when I preach hard and I'm stepping on to, oh, pastor, you're all over my toes. You know why we like carding it? Because it reveals us. It reveals things that I didn't realize. I'm not saying that we don't need to preach hard and we don't need to talk about sin. It's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, but my Bible said it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's by telling them, wait a minute, God doesn't condemn you. He loves you enough that he sent his son to die for you. Notice what he said. Did I finish reading that? No. Well, let me read it again. Oh, there at verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Listen to this. Look at the next verse. You need to mark this. You need to know it. And you are witnesses of these things. God says, wait a minute. If there's not a witness of it, how are they going to know? See, I really don't believe that the world is wanting us to conform to them into their sin and their iniquity. I believe they want us to live this life out so that they can truly see that it's working. We're witnesses of these things. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every truth be established. See, we've got to live this out. We've got to declare it. We've got to tell the world about Jesus if we're really going to be that church. Or we're just going to be another church among churches doing religious stuff. I've, I've learned this a lot over the last years. I get people, I, I follow a lot of people. Well, that church is religious. You know what I've come to learn? When, when we do it the way we want to do it, everybody else is religious. I've had friends that took off their suit. They're tatted from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. And they'll say, I'm just being an authentic Christian. No, you're just doing the way you want to do it. Because I've got friends that put the suit on and got the tie and they've got the shoes and they go through. The, and they're just as sincere as that over there. And I've got friends that don't even do church like we do it in different, uh, different denominations that I've gone in. And I've sat there because I never went, never got to see it. But I thought, wow, I was blown away because I saw those people a lot of times more devoted than even what most of us charismatic Pentecostal word of faith people are. And they're sharing their faith constantly. In our little neighborhood... I don't know what day it is, but down the road from me, there's a Bible study of ladies and they're parked all over the place. Weekly, never miss. They're coming to share their faith with one another. They're meeting in coffee shops, talking about Jesus. I talked to another neighbor of mine as I was walking through, just got to, uh, got to meet him for a moment. He said, yeah, we have this Bible study over here. 
Don't think for a moment just because everybody doesn't do it like we do it that they're not religious because I know I can be as religious as anybody else. I just do it the way I want to, but it's my devotion to the Lord. And here's the deal. Are we being true witnesses of Christ? Let's go to John's gospel. I got, I got to land this jet here quickly. John chapter 20. Jesus, four gospels, Matthew talks about Jesus being the king of the Jews. Mark talks about Jesus being the suffering servant. Luke talks about Jesus being the son of man. It goes back to the lineage if you go through the scripture. But the book of John talks about Jesus being the son of God, the king of kings. And it opens up, it opens up like this. In the beginning was the word and the word was God. Then it goes on to say, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. We beheld the fullness of his glory and mercy and truth. So John talks totally different. But yet he's closing the book before he goes to the cross. He goes to this upper room and has a last meal with his disciple. He takes off the robe and he goes around and he serves. He serves and he washes their feet. And then he said, I'm going to give you a new commandment that you love one another even as I have loved you. He wasn't just talking about the church. He was talking about the world. I've been trying to do a message on that. Uh, because I've come to realize that sometimes my love isn't being communicated. It's not being communicated to a generation. Let me give you one verse. I'll preach it another day. Paul said it like this. Though I have the tongue of men and angels and have not love, I'm as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. So wait a minute. I, I know I talk language that a lot of the world doesn't. Sometimes you and I are talking things they can't even comprehend. Now, I may, may be sincere about what I'm doing, but I'm asking God all the time, Holy Spirit, help me communicate better to reach the generation because he's not willing that any of them perish. Thank you, Michael. So John says, John 20, 21 Jesus meets with his disciples in his room, uh, in, in, their, in their house, while they were in a place really of hiding. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. Look at your neighbor and say, You're a sent one. Uh, you've got a calling. Everybody in this room, you've got a calling to present Jesus. Uh, we've got one of our life group leaders over here. I'm going to use Larry and Tina for a moment. They just moved into a new neighborhood a year ago, something like that, had a new home built, living in their neighborhood. I'm just using you guys. They've got an interest group that's meeting there. I love what they're doing because they were doing it before, before we ever invited them or asked them to be life group leaders. They were meeting with, they're using their garage and having their neighbors come in. Roger and Debbie in the back have an interest group. And the first, first interest group they had out on the farm, Roger just invited his neighbors to come up and be a part. And they showed up. I love what he said because here a number of his neighbors showed up and some of you showed up and some of our people are huggers. And they start hugging these people they don't know. Now that's weird. But it's impacting. Jesus said, I sent you. Not everybody can do what I do. 
Not every, even if you could, you could, you may not even do it to the depth. There's people I just drill. I'll never reach that level of communicating the word. But I learned a long time ago to quit trying to compare myself to everybody else and just be myself and do what God told me to do. Because if I don't every week, and I'll be honest, after doing this at 41 years, that pull is always there. You got to do it this way or you got to be like this one. And I have to fight. I have to fight my own heart, my spirit to stay in line with what I believe God is saying. So he said, I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive you the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Boy, you, t- you mean I can forgive sins? No, God forgives sins. But I believe what God does, people need to be told, if you've received Christ, you are forgiven. They need to hear the words. God's not mad at them. They need to hear the words that God wants to transform them. He's given us that. These are last words. These are last words. Now we're going to move to the book of Acts. I'm I'm, I'm about to wrap this up in this way. I'm going to move into the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, or at the end of, of Luke, somebody just went off. I don't think it was me. Oh, they just had a Bigfoot sighting. That's what it is. Man accidentally photographs Bigfoot after experiencing weird, weird, weird smells and sounds. Hallelujah, Bigfoot exists. The stuff we get involved with, right? (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Maybe that's what was in my office yesterday. Bigfoot was hanging around. In the book of of Luke, I got to get back on track. In the book of Luke, Jesus said, even though he gave him a command to go and he said, you're going to be witnesses, he said, you tarry until you're endued with power from on high. Because to carry out what I've assigned you to do, you're going to need the Holy Spirit. That's why we're a spirit-led church. You thought it was just about this service. No, it's about your life and how you live every day. He said, these signs will follow. Tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. So in the book of Acts, it starts out like something after many witnesses and such as this. Jesus says in Acts chapter, uh, chapter 1, I didn't give this to him back there. Uh, he said, John truly baptized you with, this, uh, uh, with water, but I'll baptize you. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 8 says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be what? Witnesses of me in Jerusalem, your family, Jerusalem. Uh, Judea, uh, your, your extended family, possibly your work face, Samaria, which extended out, and even to the whole world, you're going to be witnesses of me. And then, Acts 2, we all get excited about this. We just need another Pentecost. The Bible said, Acts 2, verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, 
that there was a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It began to fill the place where, where, where they were sitting. And the Bible said they were all filled with the Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were devout Jews from all over the region that had come, had come to Jerusalem for this time of feast. And they're watching them, they're watching them as they're hearing them speak this heavenly language or speaking about the goodness of God in their own language as they are speaking in tongues. And some of them said, these guys are just, they're just drunk. And Peter steps out of the upper room into the street among the people. And he said, these are not drunk as you suppose. But I want you to look in your Bible at Acts chapter, chapter 2 and verse 14. Or start at verse 15. Or let's look at verse 14. But Peter standing up with the eleven raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all of you who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Pay close attention. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. It's early morning. It may be like nine o'clock in the morning, something to that effect. And he said, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Church, I want to say something to us and I want us to hear. He's not yet to come. He has come. He is here. Holy Spirit is in the earth. He's in our lives. He's among us. He's with us. Paul said it like, or Peter said it like this. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. As the worship team comes, it shall come to pass in the last day, says God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, they're going to prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And upon my servants and handmaidens, I will pour out my spirit in that day. And I will show wonders in the heaven and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke the earth the sun will be turned to darkness the moon into blood before the coming and the great and awesome day of the lord and it will come to pass in that day that whosoever calls on the name of the lord will be saved i've told you this several times i'll tell you again a number of years ago i had the privilege of being in a great meeting with one of the greatest evangelists on the planet reinhard bonnke a German minister that was called to the nation of Africa, to the whole continent. His meeting started going from, just went as God gave him command to go do. And he started out with few people until that kept growing and growing and growing. Even by tents that would seat thousands of people. I remember Charisma done the story on this uh, probably 20 years ago that he brought a great tent that would probably seat 30,000 people. Went into the countryside, set up the great tent for a great crusade and the witch doctors and warlocks and everything else began to, to rise up against them and pray against them and curse them. And a great wind one night came through there before they even had the meeting, the tent was up and it literally shredded that tent. Shredded it, first time to use it. Charisma had pictures of it. 
Bunky's telling about it. He said, God, you sent me here. You sent me here to preach your gospel to these people. And Lord, you see what the enemy has done to my tent. What do I do, God? Where am I going to meet with these people? He said, go under the tent. Just go meet at the tent. God, we don't have a covering. We don't have a roof. Those nights would get cool or the weather would be such and such. And he said, we don't have a covering. He said, I told you, go preach this gospel to this people. You go have a meeting in that tent. And Bonte went and set up his chairs and set up his sound system. And he said that night as the people came in and filled that tent, as Bonke began to preach the gospel, the cloud of God became the covering of the tent. The glory of the Lord covered it. And he done it night after night after night. And he went from that tent of 30,000 people that he, he would start meeting in massive coliseums. He told us, I was there when he was telling it. He said, it got to a point we had so many people. He said, I'd have hundreds of altar workers lined up at the altars waiting. And he said, when I would preach the gospel and tell them about the goodness of Jesus, he said, the people just didn't walk. He said, they thronged. He said, they ran. They came like, like wildfire. He said, to my altar workers were running for their life because they felt like they were going to be crushed if they stood there. And then he went from meetings in Colosseums to where when they introduced him that night, they introduced him with video where his meetings were housing three, four million people at one time. You think, how in the world could that happen? I don't know. My biggest question was, where did they all go to the bathroom? I mean, that was my biggest question. How did they get in there? Because they had footage of this. As far as you could see, as far as you could see that way, as far as you could see that way, as far as you could see that way, was nothing but a sea of people in no chairs with big screens and sound uh, equipment that was set up ever so many, whatever, half mile, so that whoever's speaking up here you think he's going to be able to lay hands on that many people? No way. But miracles happened every night. Countless numbers of people were saved. God gave them a strategy how to mark off by sections the land so that they would know how many people were there. And they literally had count and figured out had, had God gave them a strategy, how they would know how many people had literally come to the Lord and millions of people were coming to Jesus. And Tanya, I never will forget how he opened up the meeting and that raspy German accent. As all of us charismatic Pentecostals there, he said, I want you to know something. He said, I go everywhere and everybody's praying, Holy Spirit, open the heaven and come. He said, I'm telling you, he came on the day of Pentecost and he has not left the earth. He is still moving among the people. Paul said, our sons and daughters are gonna prophesy. I believe it. 
They can right now. It's not coming. They can right now. If you and I will become that church that will really demonstrate Jesus through love and grace and mercy and, and reach beyond what we could have. And young people in this room, you don't have to do it like us. Just be obedient to the Holy Spirit. God wants to use you to reach your generation. He wants to use all of us if we will let him. Jesus said this, this gospel will be preached before he comes to all nations. It's going to be preached. Our friend Damien, I believe he's there now, is in Argentina. Some of you know Damien, some I know don't. Damien was on staff with us for a number of years. He's in Argentina. Damien's fighting cancer in his body. Possibly when he comes back, He's going to have to go through and have a complete, what do you call that, blood, where they literally will cleanse his blood and all of that. He'll be, have to be out of, out of position for, 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 for a good while. And he knows all of this is going on. But ever since that doctor diagnosed him with cancer, he made up his mind. I will not keep my mouth closed. I'm going to reach every person that I can for Jesus. And he is boldly going at it. And he's watching countless numbers of people that like, not like you and I, that have never heard the gospel. And ladies and gentlemen, may I tell you that we got people all around us in little Cape Girardeau, Missouri, Jackson, Southern Illinois, wherever, that have never heard the gospel. I heard one of our, it's been a number of years ago when we done vacation Bible school. One of the kids, I think they were like nine years old, why the gospel was being presented vacation Bible school, a child said this, that's the first time I've heard about Jesus. That's in our neighborhood. Those are around us. Church, I believe that we do have a mandate to be that church. My heart is to impact this city and region, not just to have good meetings, I believe the real, the real sign of what we're doing is that people are flooding here. I'm going to say it like that. I'm, it's not just about a number, but I believe if we're doing what God called us to do, there's going to be evidence of it because they're going to want to come out and hang out with us. They're going to want to hang out with you. And you may be the connector that keeps them connected to heaven. God's using you. But we've got a mandate upon us. Stand with me, would you? Pastor, I just really don't know what to do. I'm going to ask you boldly for something. How many, how many of you in this room, don't be religious on me, but how many of, of you in this room really want God to use your life? I want to see your hand. Just hold it up. Just hold it up. Okay, that's... That, that's just about everybody in the room. Even Maverick's holding his up. That's just about everybody in the room. Okay, here's a second question for you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You and I can wait. Well, I think we ought to have another meeting. I, I'll be honest. I'm burnt out on meetings that go nowhere. 
I'm looking for fruit. And I believe that we've got to somehow find our way out of the church house and into the streets and into the generation. Pastor, I don't know what to do. I'm not bold like you. I'll be honest. I don't walk up to people on the streets and say, hey, do you know where Jesus is? But I got people in here can do that. I'm, I'm just totally lost here. I was in Huddle House the other morning with Kenny Merriman. Y'all know that Miss Gloria, Kenny was a part of us for years and Miss Gloria passed and I was meeting with him, trying to encourage him. The first time it's happened, like it really kind of embarrassed me for a moment. But one of the waiters come up, just give me a hug. She said, Pastor, I want to tell you what God's done for me. He gave me a car. He's done this. I mean, she, and she come to the table two or three times to tell us the good things that God has been doing in her life. And all we're doing is just showing up, trying to leave good tips, telling them they're doing a good job, and sometime even praying for them. I, I can't do it like some of you. This is the best way I know how for me. But what are you going to do? I, I think there's an answer. And I'm going to leave us with this. I'm going to give you an answer that Paul told Timothy. And it was a very dark time when life was tough and life was hard. It was perilous times. This is what Paul tells Timothy. He said, Timothy, he's a young guy compared to Paul. Listen, you young people in the room, let no one despise your youth. Okay, you've seen your people gray head like me. Don't let nobody despise your age. But be an example of a believer. And this is, say how, this is how he says, do it. Be an example of a believer in word. And how you live your life. In love. In spirit. He's not talking the big S. He's talking the little S. My wife, uh, I'll get myself in trouble, but I'll use this. Forgive me, love. She'll cook something or fix something. How was that? It's good. It's all right. Right? It's okay. Now, I'm not saying it's bad. I think I'm complimenting. <laughs> Y'all see her? She's, I, I'm telling you what, if I was no more enthused about the God I serve than some of us, I wouldn't follow you either. Because we show very little passion sometimes about the, I'm not talking in church. I'm talking how we live. And I'm passionate about Jesus. I know I got trouble, Scott. Pray for me. Help me. But Paul said to Timothy, he said, be an example in spirit in your faith. How many of you are believing for big things this year? I am. I'm always I'm believing this place to be so packed you can't get a seat. I'm believing it all the time. Well, I'll tell you, you ain't. But he also said, be a believer in purity. Man, you don't think that people are listening, watching, hearing you, watching you live there around you. Your kids, your family. Uh, 
Then he says, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. See, guys, you got to get in the Word. We got to stay in the Word. We got to live the Word. Be a part of the Word. Be a part of of service. Then he said, don't neglect the gift that is in you by the prophecy of laying on of hands of the elders. I've not had a word from God. I just gave you one. You are sent and called by God. And if you need hands laid on you, come, we'll do it. But he said, meditate on these things and give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. And take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, listen to this, last time, this is all. For in doing this, you will both save yourself and those who hear you. We're sent. We're called to make a difference in our world. Father, I just yield to you. And I submit to you, God, this word that you put in my heart to put into this people. And I pray, God, that as we go into this year, that we are no longer just going to be a people set in a church going through religious activity and motion. But, Father, that we, God will be a people that will be active, reaching those that are around us, touching our community until our community knows you, Jesus. I pray, Father, for boldness. I pray for courage. I pray for wisdom. God, that you would give us in this year strategies to touch people that we desire to touch. Father, even family members. God, give us the wisdom. Give us the grace. Give us the strategy. You said your spirit was in us. So God, I believe now that you have appointed us and anointed us for such a time as this. If you're ready. If you're ready to embrace that this year, to say, this is going to be a year. I want God. I want God to do something great with me. I want you to make an altar right where you are. Throw your hands up to heaven and just begin to say, God, whatever you need to do, God, give me wisdom. Give me strategy. Give me grace. Give me what I need, Father, to fulfill your purpose. God, give us, make us bold as the lions in this hour. I stir the gifts of the Holy Ghost. I stir up words of knowledge and wisdom. God, I stir up gifts of discernment. God, gifts of faith, working of miracles, gift of healing, tongues, interpretation, prophecy. I stir up people, God, that will be bold as a lion and stretch their hand to heal in the Navosa. Deal in the name of Jesus. God, prophetic utterance. God, I'm a Sotea. I pray, God, that for this people, God, that some of them are going to open up their homes, that we're not going to have to ask them to, but they're going to start inviting the neighborhood. They're going to start reaching their worker, their work companions. God, we declare that this morning in the name of Jesus. And I believe, Father, I believe, God, in the name of Jesus. That testimony after testimony will come of signs, wonders, and miracles. God, I believe that through their life, as you have called them and you have sent them, 